0: First Peter chapter 1, verse 22. We could pray all day, you know. I hope you will be praying all day. I hope you've already prayed this morning. Thank you for those of you who tell me on Sunday mornings that you're praying for me. It's helpful and praying for our church. Before we jump into First Peter this morning, I want to make an announcement about a singing and testimony night that we're going to have in three weeks from tonight, March twenty-six, 6 o'clock. We're going to all come together. We invite you to come, bring some friends, invite anybody you want to. We're going to talk about the faithfulness of God. Great is His faithfulness. I've just longed to, I know many of you have mentioned to me, you longed to come back on a Sunday evening and sing. And so we decided we would add some testimonies to that. So three weeks from tonight, March twenty-six, right here, 6 o'clock, we're going to sing songs of praise to God. We're going to hear testimonies from each other of God's faithfulness. This is going to be testimonies of God's faithfulness in your life and testimonies of God's faithfulness in our congregation. Uh, it's, that's, that's the agenda. Sing and testify. That sounds kind of old school, doesn't it? Three of you have uh, been to an old school thing because I got three amens out of that. I've been to the old school singing and testifying we're going to come together and do it the old school way. We're going to sing and testify, so join us. We do need you to do this, along with invite a friend and be here. We need you to register. I think the, annou- the announcement, I don't think, the announcement is in your bulletin, and uh, the way to register for child care is in there, so please take care of that. Okay, to our guests about preaching this morning, we are in a sermon series in this letter of the New Testament called 1 Peter. It was written by Peter the Apostle to congregations in the first century in the area of the world that we now call Turkey. And each week what we do here at Grace is we take a portion of a, of a passage, like from 1 Peter, of several verses or a paragraph, and we talk about the main point of that portion of Scripture. And then we apply it to our lives, and we build each week. So we've been doing this for a while here in 1 Peter. We do it because we receive the Bible as God's Word. As God's Word that is authoritative over our lives. And as God's Word that is always relevant in the world. So we take this in today, this scripture again today from 1 Peter chapter 1 and so far what we've seen is we've seen God's grace and mercy toward us we started first Peter this way that God in grace and mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope that we have a future with Christ a future inheritance of praise and honor and glory with him that God is our father he's the one who keeps us in faith God toward us. And then as we moved along in chapter 1, we saw how we respond to God. We set our complete hope, faith, and trust and love on God. We obey him. We purify our lives in holiness that we might reflect his holiness and his grace. We fear the Lord. We respect and honor the blood of Jesus Christ that ransomed us. Our response to God is faith and hope and obedience today we're turning another corner in first peter chapter one because it was god to us we to god now we turn toward each other in love we come to a commandment today having rooted ourselves in god's grace and mercy in the gospel and the commandment is to love one another so if you'll stand with me in honor of god's word verse 22 of first peter 1 The flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever, and this word is the good news that we preach to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, and like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is God's word. You may be seated. We're going to focus this morning on the main part of this command to love one another. We'll pick up the last verses that I read. We'll pick them up again next week. But we're going to focus on love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That's the command. Peter builds to this point, though. He builds to the command to love one another with, by giving us some reasons to love Reasoning our way there, giving us some resources to love. He backs up before love one another to something that explains why we should love. To something that explains how we love one another. All of the apostles did this. For instance, John, another apostle, in the letter of 1 John did this. He said, we love because God first loved us. Why should I love? Because God loves you. He gives us a reason. Jesus actually did this before any of the apostles did. Jesus said in John 13, As I have loved you, you also are to love one another. There's your reason. Why should we love? Because Christ has loved us. Something comes before the command. A reason, resources to love one another come before the command. Here are the reason and the resources. We've been born again. We've purified our souls and continue to do so, so that we'll love one another. Now, if you were following along with me, you see that Peter's order of phrases is this. First, he says, having purified your souls. Then he says, love one another. And then he says, since you've been born again. But that since you've been born again, that having purified, Purified your souls puts a time sequence to it. And here's the time sequence. It goes like this. First, we're born again by God's grace, by God's spirit, by God's word. And we're purified. We're cleansed. And we, we in an ongoing way, purify our hearts so that we will love one another. The order is important. Because if I say love one another... And you don't understand, we don't understand that we're, we're living out of the new life of Christ in us, that we're born again. If we say love one another, but we don't, we don't understand that we have to purify our hearts for it, we won't have a reason to do it, we won't have resources to do it. We will be doing our best to love one another and probably failing all along the way. But today we, we see, we hear the reasoning and the resources that the Apostle Peter is, given, is giving to us for loving one another. Here's the first one, verses 23 through 25. He says, since you have been born again. Since, love one another because you have been born again. We'll talk about love, but we have to talk about being born again. You have been born again, he says to these people. He's reminding them, you've been born again. It's like a sermon this morning. I stand, I say to you, you've been born again. I don't know about each and every individual in this room, but I say collectively to those of you who are gathered in the name of Christ and you're Christians and you're here because you love Christ, because you you love the one you haven't seen yet, you have faith in him. We say that's evidence of being born again. You've been born again. Remember that. Peter is confident of this. And he's reminding these people that they have been born of God. He sees this. He knows this because he's already told them, you've never seen Christ. Peter saw Christ, but these people didn't. You've never seen Christ. Even though you haven't seen him, you love him. And you believe in him. And this is evidence that you've been born again. He knows these people are putting the complete weight of their hope and faith on Christ for salvation. That's evidence that they've been born again. He's saying to them, you're no longer of the ignorance of your former life. You're not walking in that old way anymore. You're walking in a new way. That's evidence that you've been born again. All of these evidences we add to love. Love one another. Love is an evidence of new life. How were these people born again? He says, verse 22, you were, or verse 23, you've been born again, not with perishable seed, Meaning, with nothing of human nature, nothing coming from your own humanity, that would be perishable seed. In verse 24, he's quoting Isaiah 40. Peter says, all flesh, all humanity, from Isaiah 40, all flesh is like grass. The glory of all humanity is like the flower of the grass that withers and falls and what what Isaiah is saying and what Peter is saying is that all humanity and everything that comes from humanity will fade away it will wither it is perishable the perishable seed of the procreation of humans cannot make you born again it'll make you born but it won't make you born again it won't it won't give you spiritual life it'll give you physical life but it won't give you spiritual life the perishable seed of any human righteousness, any way of living, cannot give you spiritual life. That's what he is saying. But rather, we are born again by the imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Verse 25, he's quoting Isaiah 40 again. He says, the word of God remains forever forever. The word of the Lord is reality. The word of the Lord is truth. It defines, establishes reality. It produces reality. The word of the Lord, creation itself, came into being by the speaking of the Lord. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord defines then everything that is real and true. The word of the Lord is what produces eternity. It's forever, it endures forever. He says in verse 23, the word of the Lord is living and abiding. It produces like seed, living and enduring life inside a human heart. It awakens the human heart. The word of the Lord is from the living and eternal God. So it brings to life The human heart, it defines eternity for the human being. Verse 25, the word is the good news that is now preached to us. This is what we have in the gospel. We have the word of Christ. It's the word of the Lord. It is reality. It is truth. It is substance. It's active. It's living. It produces. In the word of the Lord, we have the grace of Jesus Christ. In the word of the Lord, we have the message of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is the single message that quickens a heart. In the word of the Lord, we have the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In the word of the Lord, we have the the truth that Jesus Christ reigns as Lord over everything. Everything. In the word of the Lord, we have the call to repent and believe in Jesus Christ for life. Repentance that leads unto life. This is the word of the Lord. When this word is preached, like it is right now, when you read it in the Bible, the Holy Spirit then works in the human heart. And the Spirit gives that, brings that human heart to life. It awakens that heart to the message of the word of the Lord so that that heart is receptive and then comes to be born again leading to new life the word of the Lord is alive and it's powerful and it produces and this is all through the Bible another apostle named James said we were brought forth that means spiritually born by the word of truth Another apostle, John, in 1 John said, God's seed, that life-giving word, the life of God, abides in the human soul that has faith. And so that person is born again. The apostle Paul said that faith comes by hearing. And what you hear is the word of Christ, the message of Christ that awakens the heart to faith. Jesus told a parable. And he said a sower goes out to sow some seed on some particular types of soil, four different types of soil. And one type of soil is hard and the seed lands there and the birds come and snatch. And he's talking about the human heart that's hard and the enemy, the devil, comes and snatches away the word. There's another type of soil that has rocks in it. The person believes, that stands for it, represents a person who believes. But there's so many temptations and trials and persecutions in this world and there's no root there to grow down deep into the soil and so the word is choked out. Another type of soil has thorns that grow up And the word of God, the seed of God, the life of God is sown there. But those thorns are the cares of the world and they choke out the word. And then there's a fourth kind. This is soil, the human heart that is made ready and right and ready to receive the the, the seed of God, the truth of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the word of God lands there and the word of God goes deep into that heart and out of that heart comes fruit. The word is powerful abiding, living, producing life. Friday, I think it was, Beth, my wife and I were sitting in our, in our kitchen, and I don't know how we got on this subject, but I shared basically my testimony again to my wife. Now, we've been married for 39 years almost, and she knew me before, four years before that, so she's heard this story many, many times. But for some reason, we started again. And I'm reminded every time I share how I came to faith in Jesus Christ that it was the Word of God coming into my mind and into my heart in ways that made absolutely no sense. Why would a teenager, a young teenager, be interested in the book of Hebrews? Why? Why would a young teenager hear From Luke chapter 9, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, and come alive. There is no explanation of that, apart from the fact that that word that was preached and sown in my heart is alive. It's living. It's active. It's enduring. And the power of the Holy Spirit awakened the dead heart of a teenager headed to destruction to actually pay attention to an old guy preaching from Hebrews and a young guy preaching from Luke. And that word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, brought me to spiritual life. You've been born again, he says, by the living and abiding word of God. New life. Leads to new love. First, the point of this part about being born again is that first, something happens to us. We don't make it happen to ourselves. We don't do it. First and foremost, something happens to us. We are born again. And that something, that new birth that brings new life into the heart, that something then produces and it lives on forever because it's living and abiding and what it produces is the life of the spirit and the life of the spirit according to Peter is love you love you can love when you've been born again because that love comes from the life of the spirit is the spirit at work is the work of the Spirit and the work of the Word happening to you right now? Are you in a season where you, might, where you are becoming awakened to the Word of God? Are you in a season where you are being drawn to Christ? This happens. This would be a good time for me to explain something to you. We do not believe that we come to church to make ourselves a better version of our old self. We believe and we pray that when the Word of God is preached, And the Spirit of God takes it that people come alive, spiritually alive. And we don't even want to be too subtle about it. We just want to stop for a moment and just ask the basic question. It doesn't matter whether you were a teenager like me or whether you're a child or whether you're 20 or whether you're 50 or whether you're 80. It doesn't matter. The question is simply this. Is the work of the Word and of the Spirit happening to you now? Is it a season in your life, a time in your life when you are being awakened, drawn to Christ by His Word? Is the good news starting to make sense to you? Is it becoming attractive to you? You might not be able to explain it. I certainly couldn't explain it. What's happening to me? I didn't know at that point, except that something was happening. It was God drawing. What he was doing is he's bringing to life. If that's happening, pay attention. If the conscience is being convicted, pay attention. That's God at work. Lean into that. Go with it. Respond to it. Trust it. May it be so, Father, implant your word into souls today to save them. So having been born again, he says, since you've been born again. Second part, he says, having, verse 22, having purified your souls. So the point of being born again is that something happened, happens to us. We become spiritually alive, and that spiritual life continues to produce Spiritual living in love. The point here, having purified our souls, the point is that, with, that by purifying our souls, that means something also has happened to us. We've been cleansed. We've been washed. We've been forgiven. And now we, look what it says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, now we continue to purify our souls through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. He says, You have purified your souls by obedience to the truth. He could not mean. He could not mean that they are earning their salvation. They are securing their salvation by their obedience to a law or a rule. He could not mean that because Peter understands the gospel. A person is saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. What he means is that we receive forgiveness and cleansing by faith, the truth of the gospel, and then we continue on in holiness, in purifying our lives in an ongoing way by repenting of our sin, dying to self, obeying the truth of God. So no, we do not purify our souls for our own salvation. Only Christ's blood can wash us and make us pure. But yes... We do purify our souls by obedience to the truth as we repent of sin and actively engage in the spiritual life of obedience to Christ. John said it too. Everyone who has their hope fixed on Christ purifies himself as Christ is pure. James said it. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Repent of your sins. He's talking to Christians. Repent of your sins. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves before God. Jesus washed Peter's feet. This man who wrote this letter, Jesus washed his feet. And at first, Peter objected, and Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part of me. And you know Peter, we, we, we kind of joke about him all the time and his personality. He's all in. He's all or nothing. And he says, okay, then my hand's and my head too. Give me a bath. Jesus said, you don't need a bath. You've already been cleansed. You just need your feet cleaned. That seems to be similar to what Peter is saying here. You've been cleansed. You've been washed. You've been forgiven. Now... Keep purifying your soul by following Christ, by repenting of your sin. There are some things that he says to purify our souls for, and he says to purify our souls from these things so that we will actually love. Chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to come back to this next week, but for now, let's just read these. He says, so put away, put away malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Why would he name these things? He names them because these things will keep you from loving Purify your soul. Here's the point. Purify your soul for. Look at the words again, verse twenty-two. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth, that's that's how we. That's our our part in the purification. Obeying the truth, repenting of sin, obeying the truth. For there's our reason. For purify your souls for a sincere brotherly love. There's the point. We are to guard our hearts. We are to watch over them. We are to purify them through obedience to Christ for the purpose of loving each other. Are the Word and the Spirit exposing things to your heart? Are the things of the self-life preventing you from loving others? Are they being exposed to you? Do you see opportunities to have a newly purified heart? Do you see things in your heart that need to be put away? If so, take that to the Lord in prayer. If you haven't, how do I phrase this? I'm not the Holy Spirit, okay? So I don't wanna try to tell you, so let me rephrase, okay? Christians regularly, Christians regularly are seeing things in their hearts that need to be exposed, examined, exposed, repented of, so that we can get to a place of loving people. Take those things to the Lord in prayer. It will take great patience, much endurance is needed. I have been praying for a pure heart all of my Christian life, and God has forgiven me. I am born again, I am a Christian, I profess faith in Jesus Christ, I am absolutely confident that based on God's grace alone, that my future is with Him in eternity, and yet For decades, and I believe it will continue until I meet Christ face to face and finally I'll be like him. But until then, I'm going to be praying for God to continue to purify my heart as a Christian. And I find most often that I have to pray that God will purify my heart in relation to other people. I find most often that my prayer for heart purity is so I can actually love people better. I'm clean, I'm purified, and yet it continues to happen in my life. And I would just invite you to join me. Let's be a congregation that is seeking purified hearts. Can you imagine what it would look like if we were not only individual Christians, yes, but a congregation of born-again, purified believers who are regularly purifying their hearts so that we could love one another more and more? That would be beautiful. I cannot imagine a place better than that on this earth. How are you today? Man, the Lord is working in my life and showing me ways to purify my heart before him as he has purified me so I can love my family, my congregation, my friends. This is what he says to do. Brothers and sisters, we've been born again Brothers and sisters, we've been purified. Brothers and sisters, let's purify ourselves. Now to the command. So that we can love one another, verse 22. We have our reasons, we have our resources. Our reasons, he has loved us. Our resources, the new birth, the new spiritual life within us, the power of the Holy Spirit within us, so that we can love Three things I want to close with about love. Three things I want to say. First is this. According to this text, according to 1 Peter, love is an aspect of our holiness. When we said holiness a few weeks ago, what'd you think? Did you see somebody in drab clothing? Did you think about somebody who always talked about what he or she doesn't do? Did you think of a list of rules? When we said holy, where'd your mind go? Maybe I don't want to be like that or too much like that. A little bit of holiness gets you some respect. A lot of holiness will lose some friends. Is that the way it works? What'd you think? Love. Holiness, to be like God. Is to love God is love the Old Testament Leviticus 11 by the way which is where Peter said be holy for I am holy he's quoting God that came from, Levit- from Leviticus the whole law is summed up in love God with all of your heart love your neighbor as yourself God is holy and we are to be holy by loving. That's the first thing I want you to hear about love. As we look at the command to love one another. Love is holiness. It's an aspect of our holiness. That makes me want to be holy. Another one is this. Love comes from a pure heart. We ask all the time, how do I love so-and-so? You know, I'm a pastor. People ask me questions like that all the time, and I've been hearing this for decades. How do I love so-and-so? How do I love my neighbor? How do I love my family member? How do I love the person who's not so lovely? How do I love? And are you ready? Do you really want to know? Purify your heart. Love is from a pure heart. Yes, we need to take steps. Yes, we need to say words, even when our heart is not in it. It's not hypocritical. It is not hypocritical to take action to show that you love someone, even if you don't feel like it. That is not hypocritical. That's called obedience. It'd be hypocritical if you said, Well, I really feel like it, and you don't. Now, that might be hypocritical. But if you don't, just tell God about that. Don't tell the person. Don't say I'm going to love you and I don't feel like it, but, you know, be impressed with me. Don't do that. Yes, we have to take steps in words and in actions to love people when we don't feel like doing it. That is obedience. That's faith. But the first step to loving one another, as Peter's calling us to do right here in this passage, the first step is to purify the heart. Love comes from a pure heart. The Apostle Paul said the whole aim of doctrine, the whole aim of the instruction of the Apostle, the Apostle Paul, is love from a pure heart. The way Peter says it here is, let it be sincere. Verse 22, sincere, brotherly, earnest, love from the heart the apostle paul said in first corinthians 13 love is patient there's heart love these are all heart attitudes it's patient it's kind it's not envious it doesn't boast it's not arrogant love's not rude even if you're right Just because you're right doesn't mean you have to be rude. Love does not insist on its own. I'm going slow for a purpose, you know. Because if I do go too quickly, you won't think. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It doesn't It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. Love is not affirming of sin. That is not love. Love rejoices in the truth. It tells the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. believes the best for our brothers and sisters it hopes the best for all it endures it never ends love is going to be in heaven James says it's pure it's peaceable And it's gentle. And it's open to reason. It's full of mercy. And love bears fruits. It's impartial. The corrective to partiality is not more partiality, it's impartiality. It's sincere, it doesn't do things for appearance. Love. The final thing I'll share with you about love is that love started with Jesus. Or I could say, he started this. John chapter 13. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them that he's going to go away and they can't come with him. That they have to stay. Got to stick around. And he says this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Do you know how much Christ loves you? Do you sense that today? The songs today were chosen for you. To hear through singing the deep love of God for you. He showed it in Christ. Oh, how he loves us, that we would be called the children of God, that he would lay down his life as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, Jesus said, love one another. Work it out. Think about it. Plan to do it. Pray over it. Think of the things you'll say, the steps you'll take, the embrace you will give to one another. Don't tick it off like a box. Go deep in the soul. Let it be unearthed of all the self Purify it for the purpose of love. This is what Jesus said, love one another. And then he said, and they'll know you are my disciples when you have love for one another. So what I want us to do, what I'm praying that I will do and you will do is we'll take it We'll say, oh, we're born again, we're purified. Lord, birth in us out of the new heart, love for one another.